Jimmy Smagula. You can follow the podcast at Baby Mouth Pod on Instagram. You can follow me at Jimmy Smagula on Instagram. I just like to put that out there. This week, oh my God, this is something I've never had. I've been to New Orleans. I have spent a lot of time in New Orleans. Actually, I was there for a month. Never had a po' boy. It's filled with different fried fish. I don't even know what else is in it. I can't wait for my guest to tell me. I have the greatest guest. Who better to be on this podcast than this man? He is the senior editor at Eater Los Angeles. His Instagram, over, over, under, has shown me the way to so much good food in Los Angeles. I know he's not going to steer me wrong with this po' boy. Please welcome to the podcast, Farley Elliott. Farley, welcome to Baby Mouth. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just such a fan of Tiny Mouths in general. I couldn't <laughs> be more excited to be here. I have the babyest of baby mouths, although I am getting through this adventure and this journey here on this podcast. I'm I'm getting through it. I'm I'm eating things that I enjoy more and more. Well, I think that's a nice thing to take out of this whole thing is just growing the basic experiences that you have. I've done a lot of food podcasts over the years, and, and I'm always flattered to be on for one. So thank you for having me. And for two, I'm always surprised that the people who, who find an angle to get into talking about food because they simply don't have a large breadth of food uh, examination. You know, I, I think oftentimes we think of people who are considered experts in a role as having some large breadth of knowledge. And the reality is we all start somewhere. We all have places that we're going to continue to miss. We've yeah. got hot spots that we think too much about perhaps. And right. living somewhere in the middle and knowing your limitations is a real sign of, of passive growth. And that means you're on the right journey. Oh my God. I love hearing you say that that I just, you know, I started this really because my boyfriend and a lot of my friends were just kind of sick of me not being able to go. I would just say no to restaurants. You know, want to go to Greek? No. Want to go to seafood? No. I mean, I would have to look and see if there was a grilled chicken or a hamburger on the menu at Connie and Ted's because I didn't want to have oysters. I'm afraid of seafood. I'm afraid of a lot of different fish. So this really like as kind of, you know, it's a nice hook to be like, hey, I'm a baby mouth and this I'm going to try these foods. But it's actually real. I really am, have had to make a podcast for myself in order to get me to I would never try a po' boy on my own. Never. Well, you should know, I don't carry that same sense of fear, haven't for largely part of my life when it comes to food, but I grew up in a really small town in Northern New York, all the way up on the Canadian border, a town of about 400 400 people or so. So Zero restaurants, kind of one stoplight, that sort of thing. And you know, your, your options for dining, you go 25 minutes and there's a Taco Bell or a truck stop diner and that kind of thing. Uh, it, it's very Midwestern almost, you know, a lot of meatloaf, a lot of casseroles, some Canadian influence, poutine and other things Ooh, like I that. I love all those but, things you mentioned. Oh, yeah. So uh, for me, I really came on into my own being being an, an avid diner in Los Angeles. And I don't think there's any better city in America to be learning in real time. So you're in good hands with this city. LA County alone is 10 million people or a majority minority county. You know, you're looking at upwards of 15 million people in the greater Southern California region. We have the largest populations of Thai, Cambodian, Armenian, Vietnamese. I mean, we have everything you could want in delightful and delicious abundance. I had pad Thai for the first time recently on this podcast. I swear to God, I thought it was soup. 
I was shocked to know that it was chicken and noodles. I thought it was like a a scary looking soup, but it was so I've had pad thai many times now because of the podcast. It was delish. (laughs) I'm going to check back in like 2022 when you're ready to like try cow soy for the first time. Exactly. I have that on my list. I have that on my list. I have so many things. I can't wait to have like sushi. I've never had any kind. Now, are you like a guy who will eat anything or do you have limits as well? there's things that i like more than other things but i don't have a limit um marshmallows is one for me texturally it's just not something i'm fine with it i'll I'll eat a s'more but i don't think about marshmallows and go gosh that seems like something i want to try and have you know a bunch of times a year yeah it's just a little you know everyone's got their own little hiccups but i think for the most part i'm absolutely willing to try pretty much anything um i don't know when the podcast is coming out so it might be a little dated by now but we just ran a whole week-long package on the site called heat week yes it's all these different ways of exploring spice and heat through different cuisines in los angeles and it's a really fun way to kind of dissect the dining style of la and within that there are places that i absolutely you know would try the spiciest thing on the menu knowing full well that it'll probably lay me on my back for the better part of the day having that willingness to think about a cuisine in terms of the people that it represents and to think about it on their terms instead of my own i think is the greatest bridge to greater food understanding you can have well that's what's so cool you know i picked up this po boy this place little jewel of new orleans and i was like oh my god these people must have moved here from the bayou like they it (laughs) is so authentic i was so thrilled because that has become part of the experience of me wanting to try these food is having the most authentic experience trying these foods i'm not getting a po' boy from some fast food po' boy joint i'm getting a real po' boy probably from somebody who moved here from there that's it and and they do have a a backbone in in southern louisiana and it makes that restaurant feel unique the one thing i think that has been so troubling in in a year of such troubling misses uh when it comes to the pandemic and everything else is that you're lacking the ability right now to go spend time in those physical spaces the truth for me is I I like food, but I really love restaurants. I love the feel, the look, the people there. And that kind of stuff uh, is missing right now, frankly, when it comes to dining out. So you can only do pickup for your sandwich, but when you're able to go into that space again, and I hope you do, it feels like an old timey grocery store, sort of like there's places in New Orleans, Domelis's Central Grocery, these places that have a real vibe to them and they've captured that and it happens to be in Chinatown in Los Angeles. Yeah, I just, even just being outside, I was like, okay, this is a real place. This po' boy is going to be, you know, whether I enjoy it or not, I'm going to have said, I ate a real po' boy. This is the real thing. Exactly. But I exactly. knew you wouldn't steer me wrong because are there places that you have discovered? Are there some of your like favorite LA places that you're like, God, I just, I could go there two, three times a week? Absolutely. And, and I'm a person who can get a little obsessive. I occupy this sort of interesting space where I'm not a food critic, right? I'm not anonymous. My job yes. is not to show up to a restaurant under a fake name. Right. Um, I, I talk relationships. You know, I'm, a, I'm a, basically a sports reporter, but for food. And so in, in that sense, you go out all the time and you're meeting people and giving out business cards. And so I definitely will get into ruts where I'm, I'm eating a lot of Armenian food, uh, ruts where I'm eating a lot of Thai food, things yeah. like that. Probably uh, the most recent version of that for me has been uh, El Russo in East LA, kind of Boyle Heights area, a really fantastic taco trailer run by a guy named Walter Soto. His partner does handmade flour tortillas, sort of in a style of Northern Mexico, Tijuana. And they do carne asada on the grill and they do beans. You can get a little crispy cheese layer on the inside and they are some of the best tortillas you could eat, I would say in America. And that kind of thing, it's so soft and pliable and simple and delicious and you see it made right in front of you. It's just hard to beat that. It's so fun. I mean, our, our listeners obviously can't see you, but he's as he's describing it, he's closed his eyes. He's got his hands clenched. It's like uh, the passion for, for what you're talking about is so fun to see. And I just want to know, like growing up in northern New York State, and I'll tell you, I was in Buffalo for a week. I was on the national tour of Les Mis, and we stopped in Buffalo yeah. in December. And I was yeah. like, oh, my God, fucking Buffalo in December. It's going to be four degrees and it was, I had the best chicken parm there I've ever had. A lot of, a lot of Italians, yeah. 
It was so good. But growing up, did you have an adventurous? Did you have parents that were like, try this? This is good. This is delicious. Or how did you become somebody who was a voracious eater? Well, yeah, not, not at all. You know, my, my parents are pretty salt of the earth folks. I'm the first one in my family to go to college. I'm one of wow. six kids. My family is literally all lumberjacks in the Adirondacks. Wow. Like my dad, leather strap, the cleats, the ax, the whole thing. So like, I'm the only one who doesn't do it. My dad drinks Folgers coffee by the pound. Wow. And he, you know, he swears that he had sushi in the 1980s at a wedding once. And that's the last time he ever needs to oh have, my you know, God. <laughs> So, uh, like I said, for me, it was, it was moving to Los Angeles. You know, I used to work at a day job up on sunset Boulevard in a big nameless office tower. I had a motorcycle. I lived with four other roommates and I just would drive around the city. And the idea that I could eat like a king on almost any corner in this city and try foods that never existed to me before, whether it's Salvadoran food or Mexican food, whatever, just blew my mind. And yeah. When you're broke and hungry and willing to explore, that's a great confluence for learning a lot about food and cultures in a relatively short amount of time. Yeah, because you don't really Instagram foods that are too expensive for people. When I look at your Instagram and I look at something, I'm like, oh, that is $5 or that is eight bucks. It's not French laundry. It's just, is that what it's called? French laundry, that expensive place? I don't even know. It's not French laundry. It's street food, a lot of it, right? Yeah. And my job is to talk about restaurants of all stripes. It is the fancy places, the hard to get into places, but that stuff can be a little boring or at the very least a little elitist. And it's not how I came to love this city. I wrote a book in 2015 called Los Angeles Street Food. It's all about the history of street food in Los Angeles and why we have so many taco trucks instead of, you know, hot dog places in DC or something like that. The, The way that people eat in this city is in large quantities, big on flavor, comfort food in relatively inexpensive amounts. And I think to to not talk about that stuff is to do a disservice to the greater readership that we serve. Yeah, well, I, I agree. And I always appreciate that when I look, I mean, and you have brought me to like, I think love hour you just had, which is, you know, cause cheeseburgers, of course, like top three foods of mine, of course, love hour, delicious, a pop-up on Western. So good. And they have onion rings, which I enjoy. Yeah. And a rarity at pop-ups these days. Most people, if they're going to get into the frying on the street thing, you'll get, you'll get fries. Onion rings are a rarity. I really enjoy an onion ring, but I, um, I, I've seen so many just great great places on your Instagram. So over, over, under listeners, if you're in the LA area, even if you're not in the LA area, because guess what? You're going to be in LA at some point in your life. It's a wonderful place to come to. (laughs) Go and follow his over, over, under. It's so fun. And it's really like food porn. It's just the pictures are gorgeous that you take. You can see all the components. Like yesterday, you Instagram this po' boy that I'm about to eat. Mm -hmm. And I could see everything in it. And I was like, okay, I feel better seeing what's in the po' boy. Now I'm good. I think it's, I'm going to open the po' boy. I got to open it. I'm hungry. I haven't eaten anything. I had a little breakfast bar. It's so boring. You got to dive in. I'm excited to, to witness the unveiling. What's so funny is that when we emailed, you were like, I'm going to get a po' boy for myself and eat it with you too. And I was like, okay, look, I've never had a guest eat with me, but if you want to, you can, but you got yours yesterday. Yes. Yeah. I, I ended up doing a little running around yesterday. You know, we're mostly stuck at home here. And, and so I had to switch my schedule a little bit, but just the idea, and this goes to you and your podcast, the idea that you could plant in my brain that I needed to get a po' boy was so strong <laughs> that I was like, I basically should have at the door said, Jimmy sent me here. <laughs> I know I'm thinking about in the future, I should be really be sending the guests, these food items, you know, Phil Rosenthal was very upset that I did not send him a bean and cheese burrito from Sonora town, which (laughs) by the way, he told us that Sonora town goes to Mexico to get their flour twice a week. Did you know that? They do. They do. This is the, uh, the braggiest thing I'll say on your podcast that a myriad of things that I can brag about is that in my job, I, I like to be the guy who talks about stuff first. You know, that, that's how you kind of, of win the online food wars. Yes. And, uh, so I've, I've known the Sonora folks, uh, Sonora town folks quite a long time. They go to, um, Teo, his mom who now lives on the Arizona side of the border, spent years growing up in Mexico and San Luis, Colorado. They still go to his original hometown, buy floor, uh, buy flour, get it 
brought across the border and then pick it up in Arizona by the truck full every week. Oh my, I mean, it's a, those, those are the, it's just the greatest, but that is dedication right there Yeah, to go to a yeah, different country to get your flower. All right. Po' boy, I'm opening up, by the way, this is a weighty sandwich people. It is weighty in my hand. I love saying that weighty. I'm doing something in the middle of that, the way I'm pronouncing that I'm enjoying. You know, I can tell you've been on stage in Buffalo, New York. It just flies I did. Out it was the Shays Performing Arts Center, I'm remembering. And let me tell you, it's the largest dressing room I had on tour. Shout out <laughs> to Shays and the chicken parm place that I can't remember the name of where I ate six days a week. We were there for seven days. <laughs> six of those days I had chicken parm. Now I'm opening up this weighty sandwich. I did go to Tisch School of the Arts, Farley. So that might be some of the pronunciation you're hearing. Well, I got turned away from the Tisch School. Of the no. Arts, so we've got something in common. Where did you go? I went, I ended up, I, like I said, I was the first person in my family to go to college. There was no pathway to understand no, where to right. go. So I was I was just shooting emails out there and, and sending out letters and trying to figure out where to go. I ended up going to a state school here in California, which brought me to the West Coast. And I fantastic. couldn't be Fantastic. Yes, fantastic. Yeah. But I was a theater major. You are the senior editor at Eater Los Angeles. There's nobody exactly. more senior. You're the senior. <laughs> you did good. State school, Thank you. whatever. Who cares? I didn't get into Carnegie Mellon and I cried for a week. I thought I was never going to be on Broadway. I did seven Broadway shows. So fuck off, Carnegie Mellon. <laughs> I have more credits than the whole faculty now. Anyway, I'm not editing that out either. I'm opening up my po' boy. It's an unraveling. I'm unraveling this. Oh, there's fried. Holy shit. Now, whoa. Okay. Now there's pickles in there. I'm seeing there's tomatoes. I've told this story before, Farley, but in circling back to Tish, in acting school, our acting teacher had us do this assignment where he said, bring in an apple and a tomato. We brought them in and he said, take a bite of the apple. Think about how you feel. Now take a bite of the tomato. And I couldn't bite the tomato. I was too afraid to eat the tomato. And now I'm looking at a piece of tomato, but I'm going to eat this. Well, I applaud your strength. Yeah, should see. I, as you finish unwrapping, should I briefly describe the po' boy sandwich so people yes. can kind of understand what they're getting into? Describe it. And then I want you to tell me which side, because I know one side is oyster, one side is... Well, it's a it's mixed, so you're getting a little bit of both on each side, which is as it should be. So when we're talking po' boys, they're a you know, century-old sandwich in New Orleans that started with the kind of young and not very wealthy class of citizens moving to the city and helping work to you know dredge the land and work on barges and all that sort of stuff. Hence the name poor. So um, the traditional, I would say, is strictly like a fried oyster or a fried shrimp. You can do a half and half, which is what this is. It's usually mm -hmm. called the deluxe and is a little bit more expensive, and you get it fully. Dress. So dress means it comes with yes. lettuce and tomato and mayonnaise and things like that. So you've got a kind of mixed classic on a French style New Orleans loaf, which means it's going to be crispy on the outside and hopefully pretty light and airy on the inside when you bite it. The bread looks delish. Now, I say delish a lot. Do you know what side I'm showing you on Zoom? Do you know what side is which? It's mixed in, oh. so you're gonna get you're gonna get both on both sides. Did you say that already, and I missed it? I I did, but it's because you were so enthralled at my conversation skills. You know, one of the things you have to do as a podcast host is really listen to the guests, and I failed you, and I apologize. Not I thought it was going to be a half and half, so we're doing oysters. Yeah, and shrimp. I've never had oysters any kind. Well. I will say this is going to be texturally because it's fried and battered. It's going to be different than if you had an oyster and a half shell. That can be put people a little off sometimes because texturally and, and it's got a lot of salinity. It could be a little difficult. But this, I think, is going to be pretty good for you. Do you enjoy an oyster on a half shell? I do. I do. Um, the the textures that I don't enjoy outside of marshmallows <laughs> is, uh, and I'm I'm gonna you know hold on to the brim of your hat like a chicken feet, like Chinese chicken feet uh, braised. That kind of rubber, that sort of sinewy, that's just not a texture that I grew up with, mm -hmm. so it doesn't resonate with me, but oysters, absolutely, I'm in for. And with the raw oyster, raw oysters, mm -hmm. I've heard, and I, I, I don't, I never saw, I never had one, but I heard that you don't chew them, somebody said. You just kind of let them slide down your throat? Well, that's the idea, is, is there's not there's not much to it. Um, it gets kind of a bad rap sometimes. People call it um, snotty or viscous or different things like that. Um, if you end up chewing it, it can feel a little rubbery in your tooth, and mm -hmm. so that can 
put people off. But what you're really looking for is the cold, the brine from the ocean. It's got a little sharp, fresh, slightly citrusy sometimes, depending on where you're getting it from, but just like a little zap. You drink it with a crisp white wine, and it's just a delightful way to spend an afternoon near a body of water. Oh, my God. Just everybody must want you to be their best friend. <laughs> Really? People want me to give them reservations to restaurants. That's they yes, want. they must. But they also just must want your like, you know, thank God you didn't give me your phone number because I can't text you. I can email <laughs> you and you can just delete it if you see it come up because I can just people must just you're like a, it's like being a doctor at a party when you say like, well, I'm the senior editor at Eater Los Angeles. And they go, oh, my God. Like, well, what do you think of this place? Or did you go to this place? Or what did you you know, it must be like, oh, boy, you tell people you're in commercial real estate. Yeah, it, it is a party trick sometimes. If I'm ever, you know, flagging for conversation somewhere, all I have to do is ask people what the most recent meal they had, and away we go. I'm gonna dig into this now. I'm gonna. It's a very large, large, like I said, weighty sandwich. So I'm gonna. Oh, I see some shrimp. Now I enjoy shrimp. I've had fried shrimp. I've had shrimp cocktail. I pr- pretty much. I enjoy like a popcorn shrimp. I've had like yeah. a, you know. I've run the gamut with shrimp, but I'm going to try to, how the hell am I going to eat this? I'm going to try to, um, like, Jimmy, as you ask, how the hell do I eat this? Let me ask you, how do you climb Mount Everest? (laughs) A step at a time, my friend, just one foot in front of the other. (laughs) Okay. I broke off a smaller piece of the, I mean, it's still a tremendous piece, but I broke yes. off a nice slice. Look at that. And there's a nice big piece of scary raw tomato in it. <laughs> and it's drenched with probably mayonnaise. You already mm-hmm, said mm-hmm. all the elements and lettuce. And they'll give you a little crystal hot sauce packet if you want. That's a very New Orleans thing. Pretty vinegar heavy. You don't have to use it. That's an option. I have it there, but let me take a pure bite. I love it. The bread feels so wonderful in my hand. It's deli- it's it looks delicious. All right, Poe Boy, first time, Farley Elliott, senior editor of Eater Los Angeles, one of my favorite Instagrams. I enjoy him. Here we go, first time. Mmm. Mmm. Oh. Mmm. Oh. That's delicious. It's a little spicy in there. I I, I feel a kick. Yes. So this is, in some ways, what makes a po' boy stand out from a lot of other fried sandwiches you could get. Mm. Not only is it the seafood component because of the proximity to the Gulf, the bread component, which is a lightly baked version of a traditional French roll, but you also have a cornmeal-based breading. And so you're not getting that you know, chicken, fried chicken kind of breading. Mm-hmm. It's a little lighter, a little less coated. And they put some cayenne, they put a lot of garlic, powder in there, a lot of onion powder. And so it's giving you a little bit of that sort of Southern zip that you're getting out of the Creole and Cajun Mm. cuisines. Yeah. You know, I don't usually like pickles, but Mm -hmm. in this sandwich, they're delish. Then they help. They help to kind of cool the whole Mm. thing down. A little acid goes a long way. That's exactly right. I love that po' boy. Yeah. Oh, it's spicy. Now I'm really feeling the spicy. That's a cayenne pepper in there. That's like a little cayenne pepper. And if you've got a low tolerance, it can sneak up on you. I have a low tolerance. I don't think I had any spicy anything until college or after. Wow. Fascinating. No. Yeah, I know. They don't do Mexican food. Never. My my father came out to Los Angeles several years ago to visit me. And I, I tried to take him to a street taco stand. And he, from the setup to the sauces, he was like, I'm good. Let's just go home and. Wow, he boils some spaghetti. Yeah, but it's just a different. It's a different time. It's a different lifestyle. You know, I grew up on a dairy farm until I was nine years old, drinking milk literally unpasteurized straight out of the cow. It is just a completely different lifestyle. And if you don't have that willingness, then it can be difficult for you. Which is why I say kudos to you for doing the podcast. I have to do it because I'm I'm 45 years old and I'm tired of of just being afraid of food. It's so silly. Well, this is the year to take back our strength. I think so, too. Maybe it is the COVID pandemic that made me look inside myself and go like, what are you doing? You're going to be 90 years old and never have tried. I mean, God willing, I'll be 90 years old. You're going to be 70 years old and never have tried a po' boy, never had sushi ever. Well, let me ask you this. I know you want to go in for a second bite because just looking at it from my side. I already had a second bite, Farley. I'm going to be going in for a third bite. Here's my question. As as you go in, another version of the po' boy is an Italian sausage option i saw that on the menu yeah that's also pretty classic you can get um 
you know, sliced deli meats, but that's usually more for a different style of New Orleans sandwich mm-hmm. called the muffaletta that's pressed and served mm-hmm. at room temp. Do you think you would like this sandwich more as an Italian sausage option? Or are you happy that you got the fried fish, even knowing there's some oyster? Well, here's my question about the Italian sausage, which I almost asked the guy, and he seemed very busy, so I didn't want to delay. But Oh, I'm sorry. I'm eating that. It's really good. And I'm so happy it's good because sometimes I usually try to do this around lunch. And so I don't eat before. So I'm genuinely hungry. And then if I don't enjoy it, I'm like, now I got to go to like Chipotle and get food at like (laughs) three o'clock. But here's my question. If I got the Italian sausage, it said saute peppers, onions, probably provolone cheese, like and, and a marinara sauce or red sauce. What makes that a po' boy? Isn't that just an Italian? Because they're not putting tomatoes, pickles, and all that in there. Yeah, that would not traditionally come dressed. At that point, you know, we're sort of verging into two different avenues. Mm-hmm. Most people would think of the po' boy as what you've had today, some version of a, of a fried seafood on that bread dressed the way that you'd expect. The Italian is just a different sort of option that also came around about the same time. The only real codifying factor between the two is the bread, but most people now know it's like the difference between a strawberry or a chocolate milkshake. You still get to call them both a milkshake, even if they diverge pretty significantly. I would say to you that when I go back to little jewel of new Orleans, I will get this sandwich again. Yes. Great. I love that. And I don't even yeah. taste the tomatoes. That's what's so funny. Yeah, that's nice. Hopefully the greatest sandwiches that the world has ever known are, are these impossibly beautiful blends of all the ingredients wrapped in bread. Now, Farley, you know what I want to do? I just had an idea. I'm ready. I want to eat this tomato on its own. I've never had a tomato on its own. This is fascinating. And I'm literally getting a little emotional looking at this tomato because I'm remembering college and not even, I swear to God, you could ask anyone in my college class at NYU's Tisch School of the Arts Musical Theater School, I did not eat the tomato. And I have not had a raw tomato that I've like tasted, like I've had bruschetta. And I would scrape the bruschetta off of the bread. I enjoy the taste of the bread, but I would scrape the raw tomatoes and onions and stuff off of the top. Wow. I'm going to eat this raw fucking tomato right now for the first time. Let's do it. I'm scared. All right, here I go. I'm just taking a bite. I'm not putting this a big piece of tomato, but let's do a two in one with you. All right, here I go. Tomato, raw tomato. All right, now, mm, interesting does not taste anything like I thought it was going to taste. <laughs> can, yeah. you, can you try to remember post-eating it what you thought it would taste like? Well, tomato sauce and ketchup are the two tomato benchmarks sense. that I could go to in my head. Right. This right. is a very mild, um, I almost want to say watery, but it's like... Well, yeah, that's it. it. It's mostly water. It's, it's like celery in a different format. It's you know, not, it's got a, Let me taste more. Yeah, I thought it was going to be way stronger. Yeah, well, the one thing I will say as you continue on your journey, maybe we should check in some other day, is that as you start going down into the specifics of specifically ingredients, you are going to find that seasonality really matters. Tomatoes are a hothouse sort of thing. They, They thrive on heat and sun, and so they grow and ripen best during summertime. So we're kind of at the polar opposite of tomatoes. The tomato you got in that sandwich probably came from Chile and has been on a boat for two weeks. So, um, this is just the way the world food economy works. People in America demand to go to a grocery store and see tomatoes year round. But if you come back to a tomato in July or even better August, you will see beautiful, fleshy, bright red, juicy, acidic, sweet tomatoes that are a completely different thing almost than you just put in your mouth. That's so interesting. So I did eat a tomato, but I have to get a riper, better tomato, just a more in season (laughs) tomato. Yep. The the time of year matters. And I'll tell you, growing up, one of my favorite things, and I still do this literally every single summer, is I wait until I can see at the farmer's market or whatever, the tomatoes look to be perfectly in season. One of those kind of craggly, multicolored ones that's, you know, not perfectly round. And I buy one of those and I toast some pretty basic white bread, almost Wonder Bread level white bread, a thick swipe of mayonnaise, salt and pepper, thick 
thick, thick rim of tomato. And I just eat that as its own standalone sandwich, just tomato and salt and pepper. I'll put a little sugar on top. And I Whoa. just love it. Now, does a green yeah. tomato taste different than a red tomato? Well, green tomatoes are kind of like in that realm of bell peppers, where they're just different mm. colors because there are different stages of their growth. Okay. So the flavor, yeah, the flavor is not going to change too precipitously. Most of the time when people talk about green tomatoes, they're doing something to the green tomato. They're frying it, they're canning it or preserving it in some way. And that'll give it a different flavor, but just eating it on its own, you wouldn't notice that. You know so much about food. You're literally <laughs> using words like precipitously about tomatoes. I'm in shock. I can't believe how much you know about food. It's uh, it's comical and unuseful and delightful all at it's once. It's delightful. I don't find it unuseful or comical. I just find <laughs> it I'm in awe and I'm delighted by it. Now, do you cook a lot? Or I mean, you're a guy who, you know, your job is to kind of go out and forage for food in a way and then report yeah. back about it. But are you, are you doing cooking? Are you a good cook? Do you enjoy cooking? I, I'm an okay cook. I do most of the cooking in my house, especially now with the pandemic. My wife and I have been staying home every night and it, it's pretty simple. Simple, but I go back to one of the things I said at the beginning of the podcast is that I like food, but I love restaurants. I yeah. love the energy and the feeling. And, and when my job is my work pays for me to eat at restaurants, you know, I have, I have somebody else's money. What a dream going, going and, and eating and letting somebody else do the cooking for me is, is certainly my preferred method, but I can get around the kitchen. All right. The, the real, real, real truth to me is, is I'm about a year, year and a half now into a pretty significant weight loss journey. Yeah. I've lost about 75 pounds. Oh, congratulations. Um, thank you. And it's, it's been a not easy task given the nature of the work that I do, but being home now has allowed me to think more consciously about the ingredients and how they go together and also about how they interact with my body and how I can eat simply and inexpensively and still lead a relatively happy, happy, but fulfilling existence. So oh, wow. I'm looking forward to eating at restaurants as much as anybody. And I can't wait for them to come back. I have not been eating outside during the pandemic, but uh, I will say that, you know, being home has allowed me a little bit of sanctity to uh, be my happiest and healthiest self as well. That's uh, amazing. You know, I lost 65 pounds. Congratulations. Thank you. And so I know what you're going through and I know how hard it is and I know how it's in every an everyday choice. It's in every minute. It's a moment by moment choice. I used to just see something that looked delicious, a cream puff, and I would go and get the cream puff and I would eat the cream puff. And then I would leave and go home and then I would see the M&Ms are in the cabinet and I would have a you know put half a mug full of peanut M&Ms and I would I mean it was like insanity there was no thought behind what I was ingesting and I'm I, I'm usually too dumb to read the books you know like I, I don't do a <laughs> lot of uh going I, I go and live it in real life instead and so I would come home some nights having you know eaten sometimes two or three dinners because they're work dinners or whatever and oh you know I'm, I'm stuffed and laying on the couch and then the next morning i go like gosh why don't i feel good and i can't f figure out in my dumb man brain why <laughs> i feel the way that i feel right yeah it, it's been it's been really good i'm really i'm really happy about the journey so far but what i really didn't want to do was put myself into a corner where going out to get a poor boy was an impossibility. I want to be able to eat these foods and enjoy them with people like you just as much as anybody else while still maintaining a level of health that works for me. Are there some restaurants in LA that have closed recently in the pandemic that just break your heart? Oh, I mean, restaurants right now are, are struggling uh, yeah. among the worst of any industries outside of bars specifically, you know, um, it's been a really, really troubling time. You're also seeing the reopening and the battling back and forth between reopening and closings and yes. what that means for the workers. You know, we've got a almost a 40% workplace workforce here in Southern California that is undocumented, which means they're not necessarily in line for getting federal financial mm -hmm. assistance. So they have to wake up every day and decide whether or not going to work when Latinos are three or four times as likely not only to contract the coronavirus, but to die from it. Yes. They, they have to decide if that is the job that they are willing to do to feed their families. And so any restaurant closure is a heartbreak. You know, some have a larger presence than others, but it just depends. You know, people in the sort of 90s Hollywood scene have really been mourning the loss of Cafe 101, which yes. is an old school diner. Frankly, Farley, I didn't really enjoy the food there, I have to say. <laughs> Not to dump on the cafe. And you don't have to comment because I don't want you to get in trouble. No, but the ambiance mattered. 
The ambiance was incredible. There was one server who worked there for a thousand years. She had tattoos all over her entire body. She was a tall woman. She had neck tattoos. She was stunningly beautiful and tall. She worked there as long as I could remember ever going to Cafe 101. But the food there was never delicious. I enjoyed their French fries. They would give you half sweet potato, half regular. That's mm-hmm. all I really remember. But I love a diner. And I was very, very sad to see that close. And I hope they don't fucking knock it down. Yeah, the hotel's still there. So, you know, there, there's hope that something else will happen. I'll give you one more. You know, Virgil Village here in Los Angeles is a neighborhood that's been undergoing a tremendous amount of gentrification in the past several years. It's kind yes. of at the border of Los Feliz and Silver Lake. So if you know the area, you know that it's been a really great kind of East Hollywood adjacent collection of mostly Central American and Mexican restaurants uh, up until relatively recently. And there was always a stalwart spot kind of right on the corner there called Waz Golden Hen. Yes. 50 years, yes. Chinese American food, almost East Coast style, which you don't get out a lot, a lot out here. Big egg rolls, noodles, saucy fried chicken. I mean, they just closed because they were retiring. It wasn't necessarily pandemic related, although it did speed things up. And that's the kind of thing when you lose a Waz Golden Hen in your neighborhood, it is a loss that is incalculable because you know a restaurant like that isn't going to come back alive. Right, right. We ne- we always pass it because we would go to Squirrel, which is over there. Yeah. And we always yeah. pass it and, and been, oh my God, we have to go to this Waz place. Everybody talks about this place. Now we we can't go it's closed i know i know and and you know the the reality is and, and this is my 10 second bummer rant you know even when people say go support restaurants and get takeout and you'll save them i think all of that stuff is very valuable to the restaurant scene if mm-hmm. only just to keep emotions high but the reality is the amount that these restaurants are being forced to take in through delivering takeout or some limited capacity outdoor dining pales in comparison to an open full regular time yes. thriving restaurant and without federal financial intervention a lot more places are going to close so i know hopefully Hopefully with the new administration, that stuff is starting to come down the pike in a more meaningful way, but it's going to take a lot of effort. And even, you know, to just jump out of Los Angeles for a minute, because I follow a few restaurants in New York City. Can you imagine outdoor dining in January in New York City? I mean, Cozy Soup and Burger, which I'm sure you know, is a a, a village staple and an NYU staple. I mean, I had Pizza Burger Deluxes there three times a week for four years at NYU. The most delicious. I fucking love that place. And big steak fries. Thank you for the large steak fries. I don't enjoy (laughs) a shoestring fry. I feel like it's a ripoff. But I like a big steak fry. But that guy is literally on Instagram cursing every day at the the governor and at the mayor of New York because he can't survive. He cannot survive. And, you know, it's tricky. Do we want people inside eating? Probably not. But where is the federal assistance for these people? Let's pay people to stay home. Let's pay people to keep their businesses afloat. Yeah. And when the when the greatest share of the burden ends up falling on the workers who are tasked with trying to stay safe while also making a living, it's like nobody wins. It's but insane. The reality is here in Los Angeles, we're pretty lucky. You know, outdoor dining is considered safer by many. And it, we've got the opportunity as we start to, quote unquote, round the corner on this thing to start thinking about what the future of restaurants is going to be. Yes. That's the time. That's the time when going and getting that poor boy is going to matter more than ever before. We can all get back to it. All right. I have to ask you one more selfish question. Yes. We, I love a diner. You, you peaked in uh-huh. my head diners with the 101 Cafe. Mm-hmm. I love Cassell's. Mm-hmm. Love it. Fred 62. I'm happy to come in there. I guess they have like a pizza chef in there. Did you do an article about their pizza chef? Yeah, they're doing the, a lot of places now sort of pivoted to pizza during the pandemic because it's inexpensive comfort food that everybody gets. So yeah, he's been doing Detroit style square pan pizzas out of there. People say it's good. So go get your pizza yeah. at Fred 62. But is there a diner other than Cassell's swingers? Mm-hmm. Of course, when swingers yeah. closed, Swingers is a diner here. I would sit there. Drew Carey was at the counter every day I was there. I never was at Swingers without Drew Carey at the counter. And it closed. And then it reopened. Yeah. One of the workers bought it. Yes. One of the workers. And now it is a female-owned, woman-of-color-owned restaurant. She's She was a, a waitress there who moved up to, like, manager, general manager. Now she's the owner. I 
love swingers. But are there other diners like swingers? Are there other diners like Cassell's you can recommend to me? And why do you think Los Angeles is not a diner culture? See, this, you know, Jimmy, we were having a great time on the podcast until right now. But this oh, is no. this is pushback territory. Oh, no. This, this, what I said at the very beginning of, you know, there's always stuff you're not going to know enough about. The city is too large to kind of know everything. We actually have a really robust diner scene here, especially when you get out into the suburbs, the San Fernando Valleys. Oh. You go down towards LAX, La Tijera, Pans, P-A-N-N, the classic old school oh. retro Googie style the slanted roofs, the norms on La Cienega over by Cedar Sinai that they made a, uh, a heritage institution. You can't tear it down anymore. Yes. SW Country Diner. Patties. I enjoy patties in the valley. Yep. Patties is great. Nat's early bite in the valley is fantastic. SW Country Diner in Culver City was kind of the first place that made a really mean plate of sausage biscuits and gravy that really? resembles what i grew up eating they're right just off the main drag in downtown culver city snw feels like a, an east coast sort of small town woodsy diner oh. and they really nail it yeah. all right don't be mad it's my ignorance farley don't be mad at me i'm still having a good time on the podcast it's just it's it, truly my ignorance and the thing about la is that you have to have somebody like you you have to have someone like you to say go to Culver City because I don't live near Culver City, but I'll go right. there for a good for good food and for a good yeah. diner. But you got to have somebody to tell you where to go. But that's good to know. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people get tripped up with the idea of, of speaking in um, very large pluralities. L.A. doesn't have this. L.A. is that. And the reality is we're a lot of a bunch of yes. different things in, in mixed sentences. And it depends on where you live and what you're willing to drive to. So you're not wrong. It, it, it's just that people sometimes get it in their head that the city is only one thing. That is true. I don't I don't think L.A. is one thing. I really don't. Yeah. But no, I, you, you're, you're great at this. I do miss... You know, I grew up in Jersey, so we have those Greek diners that just, yeah. you literally can order anything. You don't have to look at a menu. You can, you make yeah. up your order and they write it down and they make it and it's delish. So, um, but you're, you're not wrong, especially about the, the Greek diner scene. You know, we do lack for some things in great quantities around Los Angeles and Greek food overall is one of them. And yeah. I think that that's a real shame. It just points to where our heritage lies. You know, we're originally a Mexican territory. We take a lot of our uh, culinary cues from the Pacific Rim. So we're doing less strictly European food than uh, places on the East Coast. And the migration of people across time in the United States is different and it all plays a role. Wow. Okay. Now I started this new segment and frankly, now I feel trapped by it, but I want you to help me out. It's called Acquired Taste because mm -hmm. several weeks ago I ate an olive for the first time. I never had an olive. Amazing. And I did not enjoy. They're not, <laughs> they're, they're, it's not good. But mm -hmm. the person I had on with the olives kept saying like, well, they're an acquired taste. They're an acquired mm -hmm. taste. And you hear this term a lot, acquired taste. I can mm -hmm. literally tell you there's nothing I eat that has been an acquired taste for me. If I didn't mm -hmm. enjoy it the first time, I never ate it again. Right. But I want to experiment with this acquired okay. taste. And so every week now on my podcast, I eat the same olives. I eat the Costa Vetrano olives here. The good ones. Okay. There's, they have pits in them. I don't want them yeah. anywhere near my delicious po' boy. But I'm going to eat this. Now, do you believe in acquired tastes? Are there foods that you enjoy that you would say are acquired? Um, I think it's kind of a trap door, to be honest with you. I, I think if you, at 45, are going to try olives every week, it's probably not a place you're going to get to where you truly enjoy them. A really? lot of that stuff. Is, you don't think I'll ever like them? I think you might come around to being fine eating them, but whether or not you're going to like them specifically, I doubt it. <gasps> a lot of that stuff changes earlier on in life because your body is literally going through changes when i grew up i used to hate tomato based spaghetti sauces oh i would God. just do pasta butter and parmesan cheese and that was it oh. and then eventually it changed you know yes. but i was i was a little kid so you you may come around to being fine with it but the idea that a light bulb is going to go off i don't necessarily subscribe to that wow so basically this segment is a waste of my and my listeners time no way because we need the data we need you to do All it right for i'm like gonna eat <laughs> I'm going to eat this olive. I I hate the segment. I thought it was a good idea. Now I'm trapped by because every every week now I'm eating these olives and they have not gotten any better. You know, they're all right. Let, do you like olives? Uh, you know, I'm fine with olives. I, I don't necessarily choose to put them on my pizza or something, but I'm fine with them. 
Do you like a Castelvetrano olive? Well, that's sort of the Cadillac of the olive, oh. so you're in good hands there. I didn't know that. My guests never said Cadillac of olives. That's good to know. <laughs> but sometimes when people talk about the Cadillac, I think they just mean it's like the most overclocked version. So you're getting maybe one that's like more salty, and that means that it's supposed to be good. But if you like too much salt, it's, it's going to bum you out. Too salty, I think, and and vegetable But I'm going to try it. Here I go, Castelvetrano olive, the acquired taste segment that I never should have started. Here it is. Oh, God. It's not. Yeah. I don't know, people. I don't know how much longer I'm doing this segment, frankly. It's not good. This is week three. Ooh. 49 more weeks. It's not good. (laughs) You know, but I do feel like almost I taste a little something different every time. Yeah. Where are you on pickled foods in general? Not, not. I'm not anywhere. Right. So Um, it doesn't seem like you're going to get there. I don't think so either, but it's, I mean, it's worth trying, you know, but olives, yeah, not, and people drink the juice out of that jar, they say. Yeah, I don't do that. I don't keep pickles like, you know, regular Vlasic pickles at home or anything. I'm fine to eat them, especially on a pool boy sandwich with our little complimentary, but just like snacking on it or drinking the juice. No, thank you. Yeah, it's not for me. Now, do you have any kind of sense of food trends because it seems like the truck is a trend and the things like do you feel like there's kind of trends coming do you can you sense kind of like hey this is going to be a thing yeah uh, and a lot of it has to do with where the money is going in the market Mm. you know the reality is that delivery and takeout was something that was kind of an afterthought for a lot of restaurants pre-pandemic or even looked down upon and now these businesses that have had to financially survive if they've survived on delivery and takeout are looking at ways of building those models into their restaurants for the future everyone still wants to welcome people back in especially front of house workers who built their entire reputation on being of service to others and, and having that be a meaningful part of their own existence. People want that still, but you are going to see the continued rise of, you know, this one restaurant has offshoot brands that do only delivery and takeout food. They might even get into offshoot sauces that you can buy in a grocery store. Yeah. Different different channels of money, I think, is going to become the, the overwhelming thing. And another point that I'll add, and this is more specific to Los Angeles, is you talked about food trucks, 08, 09, the financial crisis. We saw a similar kind of cratering of the high-end portion of the restaurant industry. But what survived and began to thrive was inexpensive, high-quality, like good street comfort food with a big flavor profile. Kogi Barbecue, Roy Choi's Empire was built out of the 08, 09 crisis. You know, yes. That's the kind of thing we're going to continue to have around Los Angeles. And so you're really just going to see a whole new crop of entrepreneurs who are kind of getting back to their personal and basic roots by delivering really, really great food immediately to people's homes. And authentic food, you know, just to that point, here in our neighborhood, there are we've we order food from people that make it in their backyards. And yeah. it's so good. I had Filipino barbecue for the first time from rice and barbecue. So yep. good. I just ordered a chicken parm sandwich from nothing but the cutlets or nothing but cutlets. It's yep. a little thing. I, I don't even know if I should say these. Well, they have Instagrams because I feel like, I don't know. But you pay them on Venmo and then you go pick up your sandwich and it's delish. Yeah. And, and let me be very clear to any of your listeners, uh, nothing but cutlets, a pop-up in Los Feliz that operates on a street corner and you, you know, instead of get a DM Instagram and that's how you place your order and yeah. pay, they are, they are not legal. Up until very recently, the county and city of Los Angeles did not have a legal pathway for vendors to vend, but that has not stopped 10 to 15,000 street food vendors and even more during this pandemic from coming of age and growing as entrepreneurial businesses. This is the original way that Los Angeles used to dine before it was the city of Los Angeles. Yes. There are old travelogues that I talk about in my book of people coming to Los Angeles and they would write down that they didn't think that there were any indoor restaurants because when we made it to the center of town, it was just old men selling spicy tamales, Chinese pushcart vendors. This is how LA eats. Whether or not it's legal is completely besides the point. Yeah, I got some pizza over there in um, by uh, Franklin Village. It was just, they left it on a chair in front of the building. Great. It was Perfect. so good. Yeah. I love it. LA is so, I mean, you just, you have the dream job. I'm very, very lucky. Very lucky. Please be my friend because I need you to keep guiding me and telling me where to go. (laughs) I mean, I have your Instagram. We all have the over, over, under Instagram, which just, it is the best. But Farley Elliott, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. It's just, you're a dream guest. You are the guest that I want to have on this podcast. 
Well, I, to hear that after you've already recorded with the luminary that is Phil Rosenthal, I can only say thank you for having me and trying the poor boy and, and for convincing me to go get a poor boy, which I hadn't had in a long time from that place. I'm truly, so truly glad special. you did. Thanks for coming yeah. on. Thanks, Jimmy. Okay, poor boy with my mother. There's no way Lois Smagula has had a po' boy. It's impossible. I will be shocked. I don't think she's ever even had fried oysters. She's definitely had fried shrimp, but a po' boy? Forget about it. Here she comes. Lois Smagula, my mother, always a dream. Hello. Hi, Jim. How are you? I'm good. How's it going? Oh, good. Got a little phlegm? Yeah, I guess. Oh, yeah. What's going on over there today? Oh, half the car. We spent half the day in the car dealership. Oh, boy. Did you get a new car? Yeah, the RAV4. Ooh. But uh, uh, I don't know what color red. It's like a cherry red. Oh, Very that's nice. nice. Do you like that red color or no? Well, I didn't like it that much, but Daddy wanted it, so we got it. Yeah. Well, that's all right. It's a big car, yeah. the RAV4. Are you going to be able to handle it? I don't know. We'll probably never drive it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you drive it at all or no? No. Oh, well, no. you may have wanted to take it out for a, a test drive. Did daddy drive it? No. No one drove the car? No, but we we drove it home and he loved it. No, oh, he didn't, he just wanted to make sure it was easy for him to get behind the wheel. Of course, our last car was like a sport model and right. he had a hard time getting in and Too out. Too small. A beautiful car, but wasn't for him. Yeah, cars are... I mean, I have a um, Mazda CX-5. It's great. It's big. It feels like you're driving a tank, but every time I touch the gas, it goes to empty. I mean, it's so much gas. Yeah. So my lease is over in June. I'm going to be getting some kind of a hybrid. You know, some... Oh, yeah, also, they had just, a lot. Of- yeah, better for the environment, though, too. I know, but I didn't want one. They're more expensive. They are, but I don't think that much. I just think for the environment and also for your for gas. My God, I feel like every time I push the gas on my Mazda CX-5, it goes to empty. I know. Well, you don't need that big of a car, really. No, I don't have anything going on. No. You know, the dog is 90 pounds, but we're not taking her anywhere to the vet. She goes once a year, thank God. Yeah, thank God she's a healthy dog. Oh, yeah. You got to come over to California and play with Edie. Oh, jeez. I don't know why you don't love my dog. She's the most gentle dog you ever meet. (laughs) I know. Very big teeth. Yeah, right? No. (laughs) She's a little sweetheart. Well, this week I had Farley Elliott, who is the senior editor of Eater Los Angeles, which is this incredible website Twitter, Instagram, his Instagram is called over, over, under, and it's all food in Los Angeles. He's the senior editor of this thing. And it tells you where to go in LA, basically where to go eat all different kinds of foods. Oh, that's great. Isn't that a good guest to have on the podcast? Yeah, that's great. He's not a food reviewer. He doesn't review it. He just goes and tells you like, this is the best place. You know what I mean? He goes and yeah. seeks out the best of the best in every different kind of food. And he was a great guest. And so we did Po' Boy. What is Po' Boy? <laughs> I heard of it. What is it? A Po' Boy? You have no idea? I've heard of it. No, I have no idea. What do you think it could be, a Po' Boy? Is it a meal? Is it a sandwich? Is it a fish? What is it? Oh, boy. No. An appetizer? No, not an appetizer, but that's a good guess. A po' boy is a sandwich on a huge roll. It's a New Orleans-style food, and it's got – there's all different kinds, but mostly the the kind that is the most popular is fried fish. So the one that I had had – Half and half, half fried oysters, half fried shrimp with mayonnaise, tomatoes, pickles. Now, I was very afraid to eat this because, you know, fried oysters, I never had them. And I like sh- fried shrimp, delicious. Yeah, that one but I would mayonnaise like. Mayonnaise, I don't like. Tomatoes, pickles. It was delicious. Really? Mom, the batter that they fry the fish in 
has yeah, like a yeah. little pepper in it. I think it has a little cayenne pepper. <gasps> yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I could only eat half the sandwich because it was so good, but I was so full. And what? What is it? What is it not on bread? On a delicious big white right, roll. Right roll. Yes, you would love it. No, I like. I wouldn't like the oysters, but the shrimp with the mayonnaise would be good, and the tomatoes I like. But and you know, I, I ate know. a tomato for the first time also because it had big tomatoes in it, and I'd never eaten just a tomato before by itself. It was good. It was like watery. Yeah. It doesn't really have. I thought it was going to taste more like tomato sauce or something. Yeah, like yeah. Real, it doesn't really have a strong flavor, tomato. Yeah, well, some of them do. The, uh, remember uh, Carl next door to Grandma Susie? He had the, yes. the best tomatoes he grew. They had such a taste. You could just eat them as a meal. Oh. They were excellent. They were excellent. Well, Farley was saying that because it's wintertime, even in California, that the tomatoes are not going to be as strong tasting as if it was in the summer, you know? Yeah, it's tasteful. Yeah. But the ones that people grow in the garden, they are excellent. Didn't you used to grow tomatoes in the back? No, never. That's no, not, I never I thought grow. Daddy had tomatoes in the back. You're sure? No. Uh-huh. He, maybe when we first moved here, but... Oh. You had roses, I remember. Yeah, roses. Yeah. And you have a lot of plants in the house. Yeah, not not anymore. I got rid of most of them. Yeah. I don't have them anymore. I just have the tree, the grandma's tree, yeah. and I got rid of all the... Um, most of the plants. Yeah, we can't keep a plant alive for more than a month or two. They just all die. Probably get root rot. Oh, we don't know if they need to be watered, left alone in the shade, in the sun. It's very, really, Bridger, my boyfriend, he said uh, he wants to hire somebody to come over, an expert, and go, this plant needs to be put in this corner. This plant needs to go in the shade. This plant needs water every other week because we don't know anything. But when you buy a plant, they usually have, they usually tell you. I know. Well, then. We cut the thing off and then we forget. Oh, because. Um, the tag. They usually tell you, like, this one belongs in the shade, in the sun, don't water it no, a lot. No, Basically, we just are now renting plants from the Home Depot because they have a policy that if your plant dies within one year, if you have the receipt, you can bring it back for a full refund. So basically, oh, really? we go to Home Depot get a plant, and two months later, we bring it back and get another one, and we just keep renting plants and kill. We're like plant murderers. Oh, God. I know. It's crazy. And people have a green thumb. They can, I uh, know, but plant not anything. And not you, probably, not either. No, right? not me. No, no. You're not interested in any kind of gardening? No, I don't like, no, I don't like gardening, but... Uh, a lot of people love it. Daddy, remember all the plant, all the flowers he plants in the front of our house, and but you don't like it. You wouldn't like to plant like a little peppers, tomatoes. No, I did. I mean, I planted flowers in the front and all, but I don't say I really like it to do it. Yeah, we have a little vegetable garden, very small in our backyard, but and we have peppers and mint and everything, and it's nice, but. You know, we don't really eat it. Like, we're not eating the mint from our garden. We should be, but we're not. And what about the peppers? No, no what am I going to... We don't cook. We don't cook anything. All Bridger makes is tacos, and I go out every night. That's silly. Or I, pick, or I get it delivered, you know? I go pick it up and bring it back. I mean, I don't go anywhere to eat because we can't, but I go pick it up and bring it back. Yeah. Well, you make a pasta and stuff. Once in a while. Once in a while, really. Yeah. But the other thing I wanted to remind you is that we went to New Orleans. You came to New Orleans. Yes, yes. And we didn't even have a po' boy. No, no. Did we have any fried fish there? I think I did. I don't remember what we ate. Well, I remember it was Christmas time. Christmas yeah. Eve, like and for Christmas and everything. And what happened? I lost your video. I know it says low battery. Oh, could you charge up before the thing? Well, I didn't today because I wasn't home. Well, we went to Commander's Palace in New Orleans for Christmas oh, Eve. Oh, yeah. And we had turtle soup. Yeah, I remember going there. And the, and the coffee, the coffee was terrible in, in New Orleans. Mm. I don't know if there was chicory in it or 
Remember how terrible it was? I don't remember that. I was Oh, I a, remember that. I couldn't drink it. I was not a big coffee drinker back then. Now I am. Yeah. Something, I don't know how they made their coffee, but I couldn't drink it. I don't even know what chicory is. Do you? Yeah, it's a, it's like a it's like a lettuce, but it's not lettuce. That's it's a it lettuce. Chick- no, I don't know what I, they put in your coffee. I don't think it's a lettuce, I mom. I like it. I know. It's, it was terrible. It's definitely not a lettuce. No, no, chicory is so, Jim. It's like a leaf. You mean? Yeah. I don't know what that is. I've heard of chicory, but I don't know what that is. Well. Whatever. I didn't like there. I remember you came all the way to New Orleans and you saw a TGI Fridays and you said, oh, we have to eat there. Probably. That was, yeah. That's where you wanted to eat in all of New Orleans. Some of the best restaurants in the world, I bet. And you wanted to eat at TGI Fridays. Well, uh, we didn't eat there, though. No. I think we ate there. <laughs> Sorry. We ate at Commander's Palace instead. Yeah. I know. Do you remember anything else about New Orleans? I don't really remember. It was so long Yeah, I remember one day it was raining and it was cold. And me and Daddy, we walked to the, um, well, we ran to the uh, drugstore because Daddy had a sore throat. Oh, boy. He hated New Orleans and I loved it. Daddy doesn't like anything, really, but I loved it there. Oh, yeah. It's a magical place. There's so much history and jazz. Oh, I loved it. The jazz music. We were there for four weeks with Phantom. That's why you came. I was in Phantom. Yeah. Yeah. I think we were there for four days, but it was great. I loved it. It was wonderful. We stayed at the W Hotel on Charter Street, I remember. Yep. And they got us a rate, $59 a night. Could you imagine now at the W Hotel? I know. Forget it. And Bourbon Street, I was there for New Year's Eve, but I didn't eat a lot of the... I could kick myself because now that I'm exploring different foods and stuff, I want to try stuff. I was right there. I didn't have anything New Orleans style. The only Yeah, thing, you probably had burgers. I yeah. bet you had burgers. Oh, yeah. The same shit that I always... Chicken fingers and burgers. You know, yep, yep. Te- food for teenagers. That's what I ate. Yeah. I could kick myself. You. I know, but that's the way you were brought up. Yeah. It's all your fault. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> this po' boy, mom, you would like it. You'd be surprised. I don't know. I don't know if I would try it. I mean, there's some things on this podcast that I have not enjoyed. There's some things I, know. I just don't, uh, they're just not for me. Sardines was definitely one of those things. Olives. I'm continuing to try the olive. It hasn't gotten better yet. But the po' boy is so... I will go back and get that po' boy just on my own. Good for you. Yeah. I'm proud of you. Thank you, Mom. Trying different things. Yeah. There's trying nothing, different have things. Have you tried anything new in the past year or two that you could think of? I don't know. Not really. Not even I food. So. I just mean it. Well, you have a new car. Yeah, well, I have a new car. I didn't try to drive it yet. <laughs> well, but you're going to have to. Sooner or later. Well, tomorrow we're supposed to, tomorrow afternoon or tonight, we're supposed to get another big storm up to oh, 10 inches. Oh, and my I just, God. Has the other snow yeah. melted yet from the other storm? No, no. It went down a lot, but there's still a lot of snow around. Oh, I'm sure our listeners are going to want to know if you found somebody to shovel your walk in the sidewalk. No, well, the girl next door, Fran, she always does our sidewalk. And then Daddy has a snowblower, so it's not too bad. And I hope the weather's all right because Tuesday we're scheduled to get our vaccine, the first shot. Yes, I know. So I I hope everything works out for that. I'm sure that's going to be fine. Because they said Monday we might get a little more snow or snow flurries. Or Just something. make sure you find somebody to do your driveway. Okay. I don't know why you get don't so annoyed. Work. No, it's fine for this year. How much more snow? I mean, it's going to be March. <laughs> well, move to Palm Springs. There's no snow there. It's beautiful. No. You'll be no two way. hours away. Have a pool. The desert, the mountain is beautiful. The sun sets. No, no, thank you. I'm staying right where I am. Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> All right, Mom. Anything on TV tonight? Tonight? What is it? When? Uh, I don't know. 
No, it's not. It's not. I was watching a little bit of This Is Us. <laughs> oh, boy. No, but I, I was good last night. It was good. I'm surprised they let you tune in after the review you had of This Is yeah, Us well, on the I, last I, podcast that we did. I uh, taped it. I yeah. taped it. So I don't know. I guess something was on and I was switching. So I watched a little bit of it, but it was good last night. I don't know. I've never watched it, but and you couldn't really even tell me what it's about, right? It's about a lot of things. Yeah, it is. It, it, it's good. It's good. But like I said, with the switching, but last night it was good. They had babies and the other one had a baby. It was good. No, good not too many night. flashbacks. No, it was good. We watched the new Keenan show, Keenan Thompson. It was very good on NBC. It was right before This Is Us. No, I don't know. Okay. You could watch it. Oh, yeah, I could watch it, but I didn't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> watch a lot of things but i know i watch my home and gardens living oh, alaska boy, living yeah i know you're living so, all over the world yeah but you'd never so, go to visit them that's right yeah oh god i got low battery again oh boy all right. Right. yeah low battery again yeah you have to prepare for the podcast well i couldn't prepare today i wasn't here just prepare and my a phone bit. was in my pocket all right mom all right, son, stay safe. All right, have a good night. Okay, bye-bye. The Baby Mouth theme song is performed by me and was written by me and Jesse Vargas. Jesse also orchestrated, recorded, and mixed the song. The Baby Mouth artwork was created by Tim Quartier. You can follow the Baby Mouth podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Baby Mouth Pod. Tell me about your own personal food nightmare. Have you ever been forced to eat something horrible at a fancy party or on a first date? Is there a food you're afraid to try? I want to know all about your scary food experiences. Email me at babymouthpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to listen and subscribe to Baby Mouth wherever you get your podcasts. And please, don't forget to leave a review. Baby Mouth!